happen there. You know, the Olympics are coming, uh, I think it's next year, right? Olympics are coming. We got some uh, missionary friends in uh, Paris. I think they're coming to Paris. I could be right. I'm not sure. But anyways, the Olympics are coming next year. And I don't know about you, but the two things I, I like about the Olympics are watching the opening celebration, you know, everybody walking around and parading their flags and all that. And then whatever the big event that our country is probably going to win in. Like, I don't like watching the events that we're going to lose, but, you know, gymnastics, swimming, whatever the big event that we're going to win in. I like watching that. How many of y'all enjoy watching at least some of the Olympics? All right. You know what we probably don't see, at least I know I don't see, maybe I'll just kind of come across it if I'm watching some college sports channels or uh, a news feed, is the qualifying events that athletes have to go through to get into the Olympics. You know, like a year or so before they compete in the Olympics, they've got to go through some qualifying events as, uh, as athletes just to say, hey, you know, are you going to be able to make it in? And probably very few of us pay attention to those or, or watch those unless you've got a kid, you know, uh, that's competing or whatever. And I, and I dare say that none of us, none of us pay attention to, because I don't even think it's televised, none of us pay attention to the years and years of training that those athletes go through to get to the qualifying, to be able to get to the Olympics and compete at the highest levels. You know, we never see anything about that. Well, as we come to the end of Acts, it can, it can be easy for us to see. We've been on this two-year journey going through the story of Acts. And as we come to this final sermon, this final chapter, it can be easy, of, easy for us to go, ah, this is it. This is the end. We finally made it. What's next? I know we got a Christmas series, and then January will probably be like a vision series. And then, you know, and so it's just easy for us to sort of check the box and say what's next. But I would like us to see this time in Acts rather than the, the end, rather that it's just the beginning. That over the last couple of years, we've been in a season of training, getting ready to compete at the highest level for the greatest prize, compete for the gold, compete for the greatest prize ever, which is leading people to Jesus, pointing people to Jesus, increasing the future population of heaven and decreasing the future population of hell. That's the greatest thing our lives can be about. It's the greatest thing our church can be about. And that's why we've gone through this study of Acts. Today is not the end. Today is just the beginning. And that's what we see in this story here. In this last section of Acts, Luke tells about Paul finally making it to Rome, the place he's always longed to go to and to, and to, and to encourage the Christians there. And he gets there, and, and Luke's like, and so we did it, and it's all done. No, that's not what he says at all. Instead, you know, Luke's like, hey, this isn't the finish line. Paul keeps going, and for two years, he continues to do ministry here. And even though we don't have, uh, you know, a, an Acts part two, you know, there's... It, there's Based on what we have in the other letters of Paul and historical writings, there's reason to believe that, that Paul went on another trip, another journey, a fourth missionary journey, um, by piecing some things together and some things that he said. But So basically what I'm saying is it doesn't end here. And just as it doesn't end here, for us, this is just the beginning. So let's learn from Paul and how we can be used by God to spread the name of Jesus to continue to spread the name of Jesus, to be people who are known for spreading the name of Jesus near and far. Let's read. We're going to pick up where we left off last week, beginning in verse 11, Acts chapter 28, beginning in verse 11. It says, It was three months after the shipwreck that we set sail on another ship that had wintered at the island. This is uh, Paul and Luke, and they were on the island of Malta, okay? 
And it says it was an Alexandrian ship with twin gods at its figurehead. Our first stop was Syracuse where we stayed for three days. And from there, we sailed across to Regium. And after, uh, and a day later, a south wind began blowing. So the following day, we sailed up the coast to Patuli. Uh, and there we found some believers who invited us to spend a week with them. And so, we, and, and so we came to Rome. So in other words, after that, we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters in Rome had heard we were coming, and they came to meet us at the forum on the Appian Way. Others joined us at the three taverns, and your translation may say as far away as from the three taverns. That's not like three bars all located together. That's like a region, okay? Uh, and when Paul saw them, he was encouraged and thanked God. And when we arrived in Rome, Paul was, was permitted to have his own private lodging, though he was guarded by a soldier. So Paul's under house arrest, okay? Three days after Paul's arrival, he called together the local Jewish leaders. And he said to them, brothers, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Roman government, even though I'd done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors. And the Romans tried me and uh, wanted to release me because they found no cause for the death sentence. But when the Jewish leaders uh, protested the decision, I felt it necessary to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no desire to press charges against my own people. I asked you to come here today so we could get acquainted and so I could explain to you that I am bound with this chain because I believe that the hope of Israel, the Messiah, has already come. He's talking about Jesus there. They replied, and by the way, these are Jewish leaders. These are not Christians. These are people who believe in God, but they don't believe in Jesus, just for some context. They replied, we have had no letters from Judea or reports against you from anyone who has come here, but... We want to hear what you believe, for the only thing we know about this movement is that it's denounced everywhere, or that it's denounced by Jews everywhere. So a time was set, and on that day, a large number of people came to Paul's lodging, and he explained and testified about the kingdom of God and tried to persuade them about Jesus from the scriptures. Using the law of Moses and the books of the prophets, he spoke to them from morning until evening. So I don't want to get any flack if my sermon goes long, okay? He spoke to them from morning until evening. And some were persuaded by the things he said, but others did not believe. And after they had argued back and forth among themselves, they left with this final word from Paul, where Paul says, The Holy Spirit was right when he said to your ancestors through the Isaiah prophet, Go and say this to the people, When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend, for the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So I want you to know that this salvation from God has also been offered to the Gentiles, and they will accept it. And then Luke concludes, it says, for the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. And he welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And no one tried to stop him. Some translations say unhindered. Well, guys, how can, what can we learn from this? And how can we be people who take what we've learned over the last two years, over the last two years, put a, you know, put, sum it all up, and, and let God use us to be people who point people to Jesus. And I just want to tell you that uh, Wednesday morning, I woke up from a dream that I had spent way too long on the opening time and on the illustrations and on the intro. And it was 1219 before I ever got into the sermon. 
And I thought, they're not going to sit back. They're not going to listen. I, I just, I told you guys, I was like, um, all right, I'll put this on video and y'all can check it out later. So I wrote, I finished the outline Wednesday. I sent it off to Noah. I was like, okay, I'm locked into a message. And look, it's already 1130, so we're doing good. All right, it's not 1219. We're doing good. So I want to share with you three things that we have learned really in this passage, but also uh, that are going to tie back into some stuff we've learned over the past couple years. And number one, how can we be a people who, 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 um, who God uses to, to lead people to faith in Jesus? Number one is this, stay faithful to the mission. Stay faithful faithful to the mission. That's what we see Paul does here. He, he stays faithful to the mission that God has called him to. Listen again to verse 17 and verse 20. It says, three days after Paul's arrival, he called together the local Jewish leaders. This is, and then he said, I asked you to come here today so we could get acquainted and so I could explain to you that I'm bound with this chain because I believe that the hope of Israel, the Messiah, has already come. Paul does here in Rome what he has done in place after place after place, city after city, region after region. He starts off by meeting with uh, the, the local Jewish leaders. He engages people who need to hear about Jesus. He starts off by meeting with the local Jewish leaders. That's something he did. If there was a synagogue or if there was a, a people of faith or people who had a belief in God but had not yet heard about Jesus, he would start off by meeting with them. This was his pattern. He would engage with people who had an openness to talk about the things of God so that he could point them to Jesus. Now, it's true. He does start off, Luke says that he met with some Christians first, you know, and he spent a few days with these guys and a few days with that guy, these, th this group, and people came to see him from, from far away places, like 30 and 45 miles outside of Rome, just to visit with him. Christians came to see him and encourage him, and you know, it would have been so easy for Paul to just, to just stay with those group of Christians, you know, to just huddle up with that nice, same, that nice, safe, warm group of people who, who, who love Jesus and admire Paul. I mean, they came from they came from all over to see him, you know. I mean, this is Paul, Paul the apostle, Paul the guy who's written letters all over the place, you know. And he could have just stayed there and, hey, we're just going to have Bible studies and we're going to have prayer meetings and we're just going to, it's just going to be so great. And then I'll send y'all out. No, he, I mean, he met with them, but then, but then he stayed on mission. He said, hey, I've got to go meet with people who need to hear about Jesus. And so he goes and after meeting with the Christians, he goes and he sought out people who needed to hear about Jesus. Guys, there's two main themes, two main threads, two main themes that go all throughout the book of Acts. And I told you about them the very first Sunday, uh, January of 2022, uh, when we started all this. I know y'all remember, I know you commit these sermons to memory, and you've got a little booklet of them, and you go back over and look over them, and maybe go back and watch the, 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 the old sermons on YouTube, you know, as a way to help you fall asleep. You know, instead of falling asleep in here, you can fall asleep at home. But anyways, in case you don't remember, there's two main themes that go throughout the book of Acts, and one of them is the priority of the spread of the gospel. The priority of the spread of the gospel. My daughter Maddie asked me if I was preaching today. I said, yeah, why? She goes, well, you're wearing a t-shirt. You don't normally preach in a t-shirt. I said, yeah, but I've got it tucked in so it's official. You know, it's okay. You know, I'm Sunday ready, you know. Um, and, and here's the deal. I don't know if you remember this, but two, almost two years ago, this is the shirt I wore when we kicked off the series in Acts. It's because the shirt, it's one of my favorite shirts. Uh, got it from the North American Mission Board. It was only $5. I don't know if they've got many left, but if you want one, you can go 
on there, but, but it just says very simply, it's all about the gospel. Noah even said, if people read your shirt and believe it, you don't have to preach. And I was like, you're right. You know, it really is all about the gospel. That's what, that's what the book of Acts is, is about. It's about the gospel. Um, and, you know, and listen, as, as, and what we've seen over the past couple years is that the early believers and the early church and the apostles and the missionaries, what they did right and when they got it right is when they prioritized the spread of the gospel. When they made it all about the gospel, when they, when they made it their mission to tell people about Jesus. And guys, one of the things that we need to do and, and in some ways continue to do and in some ways start to do, what we need to do is prioritize the spread of the gospel. Yes, we're still going to gather for worship. Yes, we're still going to have fellowship. We're still going to do ministry. We're still going to have Bible study and connect groups and discipleship and all that. But all of those things have, have an inward attention. What we need to have and what every church needs to have, and by the way, every church loves to do the inward stuff. We like the inward stuff, Right? Because we know each other and we like each other, and even the weird ones among us, we've, we've grown to, to, to tolerate, right? If you're not laughing, someone's tolerating you. Okay, but, but what we need is not just an inward attention. We need an outward obsession. We need to say, look, we've got to go share the gospel. We've got to go on mission. We've got to go take the name of Jesus to the people in places where it has not been heard. Romans, I think it's chapter 15, Paul says, that's been my mission is to make the name of Jesus known where it has not been heard and where people uh, haven't already proclaimed him. And so we're going to be at our best. We're going to be at our best when we prioritize the gospel. Yes, we're still going to do all the other stuff, but we're going to make sure that we're prioritizing the gospel. So there's more people who get to come and worship and fellowship and be in Bible study and be loved and be ministered to and be discipled. Amen? All right. The second main theme that we see in here, still under point number one, is not only, was there a, not only did they prioritize the spread of the gospel, but there was a believer's dependence on the Holy Spirit through prayer. The second big thing we saw all throughout Acts was the believer's dependence on the Holy Spirit through prayer. As we prioritize the gospel, as we prioritize spreading the name of Jesus, we have to remember that we can't do anything on our own. We can't, I can't lead somebody to Jesus. I can point them to Jesus and I can help them get to Jesus. I can, you know, tell them, hey, here's what the Bible says and here's what, what you can pray and here's how, but, but, but only God can change a heart. Only God can open up someone's stubborn heart and closed mind to receive the gospel and to place their faith in him. And so in order for us to be successful at spreading the gospel, we have to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit through prayer. We have to be people who are people of prayer. We have to be prayers. I'm not sure if I've shared this illustration before. I looked through it in my notes and I couldn't find it. So I'm going to share it again if I have. I'm going to share it now. And if I've shared it before, just pretend like you've never heard it before. But I've got a friend named Monty and Monty is a hiker. Monty has hiked the Grand Canyon several times. He's hiked some island off the coast of California, like a three or four day thing all by himself, you know, planned it out and had, you know, food dropped off for him at different locations. He, he hiked the Appalachian Trail, like 10 days on the Appalachian Trail, uh, starting where it starts in Georgia. And he's going back next summer or next year to do it again and go even further. He's a hiker. I hike. 
I get out and walk around the desert around my neighborhood, you know, for a couple of hours. I go to Mount Lemon or Mount Wrightson, you know. I go out on hikes occasionally. But I'm not a hiker. And I think that's the difference in prayer. I think just about all of us believe in prayer. And we pray. But are you a prayer? Is it what you're known for? When people have a burden or a hurt or a trouble, do they contact you and say, I need you to pray for me now, right now? (laughs) And do they know that you will stop everything right then and open up God's word and begin to pray God's word back to God and claim promises and claim scriptures, confident in what God's going to do? Guys, I'm glad that we pray, but we need to get to be prayers. We need to not just be people who pray. We need to be a praying people. Thank you. Those are the main things that we've learned in Acts that the early believers did. Those are their keys to to growth, not just just numerical growth, but they saw tremendous growth, spiritual growth, to to health, to unity. Those are going to be the keys for us for success, guys. Still doing the loving each other, but loving God and and loving people. Priority of the gospel, dependence on the Holy Spirit through prayer. The second thing that we learn out of this is not only do we need to stay faithful to, to what God's called us to, but we need to expect rejection and anticipate reception. We need to expect rejection when we tell people about Jesus. We need to expect some rejection, but we should anticipate reception. Now, some are like, well, you know, expect and anticipate, those are the same words. They just, you know, you're just, you know, they're synonyms. Well, they are, but they mean a little bit different. To expect something means, hey, I think this is going to happen. To anticipate something is to hope, to look forward to that thing happening. I go about once every two or three months to see an eye doctor, and I expect that he's going to poke me in the eye with an injection. What I anticipate is that one day I will never have to go back there. We need to, this is what we see happening here. The reality is that some people, lots of people, are going to reject the gospel. But also what we need to anticipate is that some people are going to receive it. That's what we see happening here. Acts 28, verse 23 and 24. Paul says this, so a time, it says, or Luke says this, says a time was set, and on that day a large number of people came to Paul's lodging, and he explained and testified about the kingdom of God and tried to persuade them about Jesus from the Scripture. So he's using the Old Testament to help them understand that Jesus is the Messiah that they as Jews have been looking for. Using the law of Moses and the books of the prophets, he spoke to them from the morning until evening, and some were persuaded by the things he said, but others did not believe. Some Jews listened and believed. Some Jews listened and received the message of the good news. Others, however, did not. They held on to their religion. They held on to knowing about God. They held on to knowing about the things of God, but they missed out on a relationship with God. They missed out on the peace that comes from placing your faith in God through Jesus, through his sacrifice on the cross and God raising him back to life and believing that that's all that needs to happen for you to be saved. That's all that needs to happen for you to be right with God. And Paul encountered this almost everywhere he went. The early believers and the apostles faced the same thing. Christians throughout history have faced this. And we as Christians and as a church are going to face this. 
So expect opposition, but don't let it discourage or dissuade you. Expect opposition, but don't let it discourage or dissuade you. You know that it's coming. We've seen it all throughout Acts. You've experienced in your life. Expect people to say no, but be encouraged by those who receive and believe. Be encouraged to keep sharing the gospel. Anticipate that people will receive and believe. You know what the best part of my day is? It's not, it's not when it's time to go home. <laughs> the best part of my day is when I get to lead somebody to faith in Jesus. When I get to be a part of, of, of them coming to faith in Jesus. I just said I can't lead them to Jesus. So I don't want to, you know, wait a minute, a minute ago, scratch that. The best part of my day is when I get to pray with somebody and they place their faith in Jesus. Now listen, as often as I can, I tell people about Jesus. But probably this year, only about three or four times have I had a chance to sit down with somebody, walk them through the gospel, and, and get to pray with them as they place their faith in Jesus. I've had lots and lots and lots of rejections, but it's those yes moments. It's those yes moments that I anticipate that keep me going. Had one just a couple of Wednesday nights ago, uh, right back here, Rob. Uh, afterwards, I was like, so what got you coming to church? He goes, well, I just want to know what it means to have a relationship with God. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> Let's sit down and talk. <laughs> and, and we went through the gospel, and I was like, does this make sense? And he's like, yeah. Has anybody ever explained it like that? No. Would you like to pray and receive Jesus? Yeah. I mean, it was just the most awesome, wonderful thing. And, and it happened a couple weeks uh, before that with... Um, Where's he at? John, right there. Thank you. Sorry. Uh, you know, and, and it's happened before this year, and it's just the most amazing, wonderful thing. But I get so many no's throughout the year, but it's the yeses that keep me going. Guys, expect rejection, but anticipate reception. The thing that, that, that def don't, don't let the no's defeat you. Instead, let those yeses, even if it's just one this next year, even if it's just one, even if it's just a yes when you invite somebody to Christmas Eve, let that keep you going. Anticipate that. And then finally, number three, remember that there are people who need to and want to hear about Jesus. Remember that there are people who need to hear about Jesus, but there's also people who want to hear about Jesus. Listen to verse 28 to 31. You might notice that verse 29 is not in there. It's because in some manuscripts, the earliest manuscripts, we don't have it. So we're trying to be true to what the, the, the text says and not add anything to it. So for those of y'all going, hey, where's 29? So anyway, so, uh, so verse 28 to 31, Paul is saying this. He says, so I want you to know, and he's talking to the Jews who have, who have rejected you know, uh, the, the message of Jesus. He says, I want you to know that this salvation from God has also been offered to the Gentiles, and they will accept it. And so for the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense, and he welcomed all who visited him boldly, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, and no one tried to stop him. Paul says here that the Gentiles, you know, you, you guys, some of y'all rejected it, but the Gentiles, those who are not Jews, those who were not included into, uh, you know, the, the, the God's promise at the beginning, um, well, actually in Genesis 12, God says, hey, by Abraham, you know, all nations will be blessed by you, but the Jews saw them as outsiders. Paul says that the Gentiles would listen, and for the next few years, he shares the gospel with anybody who would, who would talk to him. There's probably some Jews that came, but definitely a lot of Gentiles. How did Paul know? How did Paul know? that they would listen. Well, you go back to Acts chapter 13. It says, Then Paul and Barnabas spoke boldly and declared 
and they're talking to, the, to, to a group of Jews. He goes, it was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews, but since you have rejected it and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we will offer it to the Gentiles. For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and thanked the Lord for this message. And all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. So the Lord's message spread throughout that region. Guys, I think this is what kept Paul going. He faced a lot of hardship. He faced a lot of difficulty. He faced a, a, a lot of persecution. But the thing that kept him going was the yes, was knowing that there are people who need to hear about Jesus and there's people who want to hear about Jesus. And guys, that's what motivates me, and I hope it motivates you because we all know people who need Jesus, right? We all know people who, oh, they ought to be in church, right? You know, <laughs> We all know people who, who, whose lives are a mess because of the decisions they've made. And maybe they're family members, and maybe they're friends, and maybe they're people we love and have prayed for, and we know they need Jesus. I want you to know, don't give up on them because many of those people, hopefully all of them, but many of those people also want Jesus. And some of y'all are like, they don't want Jesus. I've tried. I've told them about Jesus. I've prayed for them to come to faith in Jesus. They don't want Jesus. Let me tell you what. They want Jesus. And here's how I know. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, if there's been a time in your life where you have placed your faith in Jesus to save you, and you have repented of your sins, and you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and now you're a Christ follower, there was also a time when you didn't want Jesus. But there was a time where you found out, I need Jesus, and then you said yes to Jesus. You said, I want Jesus. And at one time, you were somebody just like your friend or your coworker or that, that person in school with you or, or that neighbor who acts like they don't want Jesus, who says they don't want Jesus. But at some time in your life, you said, you know what? I want Jesus. And if God can do that in your life, he can do it in theirs. They need Jesus and they want Jesus even if they don't realize it because what they want is hope. What they want is peace. What they want is joy. What they want is, is to know that when this is all over and they stand before God, I've never talked to anybody who believes there's a heaven and a hell who's going, man, I'm going to hell and I can't wait to get there. They want to know that when they, get, when they stand before God that they're going to be at peace with him and he's going to say, come on in. And what they're hoping for is that, well, I've been a pretty good person. No. You and I get to share with them the only thing we hope in is we hope in Jesus. We hope in his sacrifice on the cross. We hope in what he has done for us. You don't have to do anything. He's done it all. People need Jesus, and I want you to remember and hold on to the hope that they really do want Jesus, even if they don't know yet that it's Jesus that what they, is, is who they want and what they want. So don't be discouraged or defeated by the person that said no. Remember, you, you said no at one time. You maybe even said no a bunch of times, but one day you said yes if you're a believer. One day you said yes, and you got the greatest gift ever. As we get ready to close, our closing song is, Jesus paid it all. It says, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. All of us who have received Christ owe it to everyone else who hasn't heard about Jesus to tell them about Jesus. All of us who have been forgiven forgiven of our sins, owe it to everybody who's not yet a Christian to do all we can to pray for them, to invite them to church, to share with them that we're a Christian, to share the gospel with them, and, and to celebrate when they come to place their faith in Jesus. All 
Jesus paid it all. Now I owe it to him to be obedient to his command to go make disciples. And that starts with pointing people to Jesus. That starts with helping them come to faith in Jesus. Maybe the thing that you owe Jesus today is, is you owe him your life. You owe him, you're not a Christian yet. You know, you're, you're, like, you're like Rob. You've been coming and sitting and coming to church and you've been hearing it over and over. Maybe today is the day where you place your faith in Christ. You say, you know what? That's what I've been needing to do. I, I owe Jesus everything and I'm ready to give it over to him. You can do that in just a moment. You can pray and say, God, I know that you love me. I'm sorry for saying no to you all my life. I'm ready to place my faith in Jesus. I'm ready to commit my life to Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for new life. Now go use me to tell others. Will you pray with me? All across the room, heads bowed, eyes closed. This is a time between you and God to, to let him speak to you, to continue to speak to you, for his Holy Spirit to work on your heart. Don't be, don't be thinking about where you're going to lunch or, or any of that stuff right now. Just take a moment and, and spend some time in prayer. And for those of you who are believers, as we enter this time of prayer and response, as those of you who are believers, would you just take a moment... And just say, God, I know I'm a Christian, and I'm, I'm ready for you to use me. I'm ready for you to use me to help somebody else come to know Jesus also. Maybe there's a person you can think of, a, a friend or family member or, or somebody uh, that, that you know that doesn't know Jesus. Would you just, right there in the quiet of this moment, lift that person up to God? Say, God, I want to see blank come to Jesus. Maybe before the end of this year. Maybe by, by Easter of next year. At the latest, by the end of 2024. I want to see blank come to Jesus. Would you do that? I want to see blank come to Jesus. And now would you commit to let God use you? God, use me to point them to Jesus. Just pray that prayer to God right now. God, use me to point them to Jesus. As I said before, maybe your prayer today is the prayer of salvation where you place your faith in Jesus. If you're not a Christian or if you're not sure, I want to invite you right now just to call out to God. And you can pray along with me if it helps you. But just pray this prayer to him right there in the quietness of, of where you're sitting. God, I know that you love me. If you're not yet a believer but you're ready to become one, would you pray this prayer with us? God, I know that you love me. I'm sorry that I've been saying no to you all my life. I'm ready to say yes. Today I say yes to Jesus. I do so by faith in his death on the cross and you raising him back to life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for saving me. Christ's name I pray this prayer. Amen.